welcome you this morning. Uh, if you're looking for seats, there's plenty in the, the front row, the dreaded front row. Uh, my name's Tony. I have the privilege and pleasure of being on pastoral staff here. Yeah, thank you. Give him a round of applause. Uh, if you're a kid and want to hang out with other kids... There are folks back here that would love to hang out with you, so feel free to go hang out with them. If you are not a kid and you're stuck with me, we have a bit of an adventure this morning. So often uh, on Sunday mornings, you get kind of a monologue from a preacher, and sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not. Um, And this morning, we want to mix it up a little bit, so we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And the thing is, it's one thing to say, this is who the Holy Spirit is. Look at the New Testament. Awesome. It's a whole other thing to do that and have people share their stories of actually how they've been impacted by the Holy Spirit. So this morning's going to have a little different flow. We're going to have two stories right at the beginning. I'll share for a little bit, and then we're going to have three more, and then we're going to go into worship. And I think my invitation to you is to listen to what I have to say, listen to these stories, and just discern what is the Holy Spirit saying to you as you listen to the way the Holy Spirit works in their lives, the way the Holy Spirit seems to work in the Scriptures, and then turn it back on yourself and say, huh, what is my relationship with the Holy Spirit like? Make sense? Do you understand your role? Okay. I want to invite up uh, Steve and PJ. They're going to share first. Uh, So give them a round of applause. Let's have PJ go first, if that's all right. You feel cool with that? Okay. (laughs) Turn it on. Yeah, we'll try that. I might need help. Pray for the Holy Spirit to do something. And it worked. Yeah, there you go. Whoever prayed, thank Hallelujah. you. Hallelujah. <laughs> okay. Hi, I'm PJ, and I'm, uh, gosh, it's good to see all your beautiful faces here. <laughs> <laughs> and I am a little bit adrenaline-amped right now, so forgive me. Anyhow, I, my story starts, it starts a long time ago, but I'm going to start it at 1987, which may be a long time for some of you. And in in 1987, I started attending a 12-step program called Al-Anon. And to begin with, I was pretty typical, you know, the weeping and the hand-wringing and the feeling sorry for myself. And after a while, I started getting better and better and better. And uh, I think uh, after about a year and a half, I was actually facilitating the group. It was kind of fun. Anyhow, it was a 12-step program, if any of you are, in, are familiar with that. And um, the, I started getting really obsessed with the third step, which is made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understood him. So, you know, I have kind of one of those kind of artistic minds, so I kind of go to you know, I go back and forth between the right and the left brain, and I just uh, thought, oh, wow, God, as I understand, well, I don't understand him at all. And so I think I finally just, cr- it like, cried out and said, 
God, who are you? I just, I need to know. And you have to understand, I'm not a believer. I'm not, I'm just a regular pagan heathen. <laughs> and uh, anyhow, so, so then uh, after crying out, and not long after, but not immediately, but pretty soon, I just heard this voice in my head, and I, and it said, go to Mayflower Church. Well, I don't know if you know this, but this used to be called Mayflower Church once upon a time, a long time ago. And, and I love the name Wellspring. I'm glad we've been, uh, I'm, I'm so grateful for what God has done here in resurrecting Mayflower from the ashes and made it Wellspring. It's a wonderful thing. Anyhow, so I, I can't remember whether I had to look it up in the phone book or not, but I, this, because that's, it was 18, it was 18, it was 1987. <laughs> and, you know, we didn't have smartphones back then. We had phone books. And uh, um, so I came here and I just kind of sat in the, there was like 45 people here, like, and they were all loving and kind and invited me to, Bible studies and their homes and all kinds of wonderful things that they were just very accepting of me and I was you know kind of still searching and looking and listening and then uh, finally I just after a couple of months here and listening to we had a wonderful interim pastor at the time who really spoke to my heart because he was very erudite and scholarly and that just kind of spoke to me it does, maybe doesn't speak to everybody but it did to me and finally the spiritual light bulb just went on and I got it and then I, I've also when I've told this story in the past I've said you know this always kind of reminds me of that movie the field of dreams where you know there's this voice that says you know uh, build it and they will come but the funny thing is, is that this, we're talking about February of 1989, and the movie didn't come out until May, so for me it was really more like deja vu. Uh, I, I didn't really uh, connect the two things until I started thinking about it again. Anyhow, uh, thank you, Holy Spirit, for sending me here, and I've been here ever since, and Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you. Good morning, everyone. I'm Steve Hayes. Um, we've been coming here for a little while. We're probably like everybody else, kind of feel like we're new, but then other people think we're long timers because we've been here longer than they have. Um, I grew up in the church. Uh, ever since I was a kid. I don't ever remember a time not going to church. And when I was 11, accepted Christ as, as my savior. And, you know, the Holy Spirit for me was the third part of the Trinity that I knew about having gone to a Christian private school. And so I knew who he was, but he wasn't speaking to me. That was for other people who were like Billy Graham and more scholarly and, and just more in touch with their spiritual side. And uh, flash, flash forward to uh, Elaine and I living in Oregon and going to a great church called Beaverton Foursquare, where our two older boys at that point got a chance to, they were part of the children's church, and uh, they got to go to 
church camp, which was a week-long thing in the summer, and um, we would decide that it would be a good idea if I went along as one of the counselors to kind of keep an eye on things since it was their first chance to go. And so um, got there, and it was a great time, and uh, the, the church the children's pastor always had a meeting with the staff and the counselors every morning before the day got going. And so Thursday came around and he said, so I have a word from the Lord this morning when I got up that the last three days have been all about the kids. And there were lots of spiritual transformations in these kids. There were lots of young souls that were saved and came to Jesus. He said, but today is about you guys. There's somebody in this group that's going to have a word from the Holy Spirit. And I'm sitting there listening to this going, oh, great, okay. Um, And so kind of going through the day, and there was a moment where I was walking across this field. There was nobody else around me. And I hear a voice, like PJ said, that said, Steve, I have something to say to you. I turn around, there's nobody around me, and I'm out in the middle of this field, and I'm thinking, who is talking to me? And I said, I literally said out loud, okay, what do you have to say? And the voice again says, I'm going to give you your spiritual gift. Now, I'm not one for spiritual gifts, because they're not for me, they're for other people. And so I said, okay, what is it? You have the spiritual gift of encouragement. And it was like PJ said, the light bulb came on. And I, now what it does for me uh, after that is I go out of my way, or not even go out of my way, but I always am in tune when I see someone that's hurting, when I see there'll be a time when a nudge will happen to me that says, you need to talk to that person. This person needs something said to them. And so I, you know, I look for that. And it could be as simple as a smile to the grocery store clerk who looks like she's having a bad day. It could be the uh, young couple that's had a rough night sleeping in their truck in the Walmart parking lot, and I invite them over to our house. Or it could even be the long lingering hug that my wife needs because she's had a rough conversation with somebody. And so I just want to encourage that, that the spiritual gifts are out there for everyone. Now, depending on your experience and background, you might be like, whoa, that was cool. Or you'll be like, this place is crazy. Uh, (laughs) I want to start with a story or an analogy, really. Um, This is a picture of me uh, in my favorite chair. This chair is a super expensive chair that I got for like $60 at like some random used store. Everyone who comes into my house is like, this chair is amazing. I love this chair. I love it. But the thing is, this chair doesn't love me back. I can't really have a relationship with this chair. Notice even that I call it it. The chair is an it. 
The thing is, I think often we view the Holy Spirit like theological decor. We view the Spirit like some sort of impersonal force that we call it. But the truth is, the Holy Spirit is a person. And you'll never develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit if it is theological decor in your life. Why? Because you won't share with the Holy Spirit your struggles. I don't share my struggles with my chair. I just sit in it and enjoy the glory, you know? I don't ask my chair for help. I've spent a lot of time thinking about, like, so why? Why, when we think of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, do we have such an easy time thinking of the Father and the Son as persons with whom we can relate? But the Holy Spirit, we sometimes have a harder time. I think in part, it's because in English, when we think of the Father and the Son, we have just like default categories of you relate to a father, you relate to a son, right? We think of them in familial terms and relational terms. The Holy Spirit often doesn't register the same way in our minds. But the problem is, the Holy Spirit is not an it. And this has some pretty significant implications. You see, a person has a personality. My chair does not have a personality. What it has is attributes. It's super comfortable. The Holy Spirit has desire and a will. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, the gifts of the Spirit are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. Right? The Spirit has a will. He chooses who gets what based on what He thinks is best. My chair does not do that. The Holy Spirit also feels. Ephesians 4.3, Paul writes this, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Right? The Holy Spirit feels grief and sadness, and contextually in Ephesians, it's when human beings like us lie to one another. We steal from one another. We gossip and are bitter behind each other's back. Paul says the Holy Spirit is grieved. He loves us. We are precious in His sight. And when we talk bad and hurt one another, it grieves Him. The Holy Spirit is the third member of the Trinity, not an it, but a person with whom we're invited into relationship. And one of the things that's beautiful about PJ's story is she identifies, right, the Holy Spirit is wooing her into relationship before she even chose it. The Holy Spirit friended her before she even thought about it. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, 3, no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit is the one who woos us to Himself so that we can be in relationship with Him. And when this happens, we are adopted into God's family. 
Right? When we commit to Jesus, there's like this transfer that happens. Paul in Romans 8 talks about this transfer from the kingdom of darkness, where we just do whatever we want based on whatever we think is best, to a life that is shaped by the will of the Holy Spirit. And this relationship with the Holy Spirit isn't just about ethics like doing right and wrong. It's about a new family, being adopted into a new family. Paul writes, Romans 8, 15 and 16, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. We're adopted into God's family, and it's here in relationship with the Spirit that we actually learn what does it mean to be intimate with God as his children. And the context is family. The context is relationship. And this is the thing, it starts with adoption. It starts with the Spirit relating to us, right, as children with us. But it doesn't end there. See, the Spirit is also the primary one who transforms us from the inside out. In biblical language, right, the Spirit produces fruit in us. Just like water, soil, and nutrients produce fruit in a fruit-bearing tree, Likewise, the Holy Spirit is the fruit producer in the life of a Christian, leading to love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Fruit is what happens when we give our lives to the direction of the Holy Spirit. It is the necessary byproduct of letting go of control. Too often, I think, especially in churches, we think that you and I are the primary change agents in the Christian life. If only I tried harder. But the truth is, that's actually not the biblical witness. Our role is to let go. Our role is to die. Our role is to give over control to the Spirit. And when we do that, the Spirit bears fruit in us that we cannot bear ourselves, leading to changes in our character, leading to really good stuff like joy and peace and hope. And even more, not only adopted into God's family, not only does the Spirit produce fruit in us when we let go of control, but in the midst of this, He also gives us gifts to use to bless the body and the world. Paul writes, Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Peter writes, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. We're adopted into a family. That's the context of all the relationship. And in that place, the Holy Spirit works in us as we surrender control to bear good fruit in us. And then he gives us gifts that we can bless the world. Right? That's Steve's story. 
grew up in church, but it was the Holy Spirit speaking to him saying, hey, I've gifted you for a purpose. I want you to encourage people. I have a friend who says, you know, that his gift is to encourage the hell out of people. <laughs> right? That's what the gift of encouragement does. It takes the lies of hell out and replaces them with the blessing of the Father. And the point is, verse 11, right, 1 Peter 4, 11, in order that in everything God might be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We're adopted into a family. We're transformed from the inside out so that we can be a blessing to the world and people are like, whoa, that's what your God is like? And through it all, we're invited into a real-time conversation with the Spirit. If you flip to Acts 16, you see this passage where Paul is trying to get into Turkey, which is modern-day Asia Minor. He wants to preach the gospel. He wants to do a good thing. And in the midst of it, the Holy Spirit says to him, no. It says textually, the Holy Spirit forbid Paul to speak in those areas. And this is what I mean by real-time relationship, right? Real-time conversation. Paul's like, I want to go to Asia. The Holy Spirit's like, nope. If you imagine it, just like the disciples walked in the dust of Rabbi Jesus. When he turned left, they went left. When he went right, they went right. They followed him. In the same way, we are meant to be in a conversational relationship with the Spirit that directs our lives. So we follow the Spirit, Paul writes in Galatians, that we are to keep step with the Spirit. We're in a real-time relationship with the Spirit who speaks to us. This is true, right, as we are in the context of God's family. As the Spirit is bearing fruit in us. And as He's giving us gifts to bless the world. Now, there's a ton more I could say. I said that my part would be short. I wanted to do a quick overview. But really, in the end, what I want to do is have us share stories today of the ways the Holy Spirit speaks and challenges and works in our lives. So I have three more people that are going to come up, and then we're going to sing some worship. And again, your role today is to listen and discern what is the Holy Spirit's invitation to you as you hear these stories in this little context that I've set and just discern what is God saying to you? So I got three more folks coming up. You guys want to come up and we'll... Thanks. So you guys want to go first? And Susie will go next and the last is all right. Or talking to it however you like. However you like. I think we're good. So we're Andy and Terry Belechi, and we got married very young, and that was a very long time ago. <laughs> First few years were very nice. We were in love, but it didn't take long for our immaturity and selfishness to start catching up with us. We started partying and pretty much made a mess out of our marriage. I 
ended up having an affair <laughs> with my best friend's husband. And everybody found out about it. It devastated Andy. I broke her heart. And I was so ashamed of what I'd done. And I say it's what I did. It's not something that happened. An affair doesn't happen. It's a choice. And I knew I had no one to blame but myself. And I also knew I never wanted to let anything like that into my life again. So I started going back to church. And I would sit way in the back pew and look around at all the good people in church and think, man, if they knew what I did, they'd be so shocked. And I bet you nobody here has ever done anything as rotten as I did. And while I was th thinking that at one point, the pastor was reading Luke 15, 7, that there's more rejoicing in heaven over one repentant sinner than, out of, than over 99 righteous people who have no need to repent. And I was so shocked. I thought, I'm a repentant sinner. They're rejoicing in heaven over me. Oh, that was the first time the Holy Spirit spoke to me personally through the scriptures. And that began my journey of healing and restoration in the power of the Holy Spirit. She does it good. She doesn't have to lay out her notes. Anyway, I... Uh, after the affair, I was, needless to say, very angry and hurt. Uh, I realized I had no clue on how to be a husband. I was just going through motions, watching other people. I never looked at good marriages. I always used to tell her, at least we're not as bad as them, to get myself off the hook. And uh, because drinking was a big part of our lives, I went to my parents' house, and the first thing my dad pours me a beer, you know, calm yourself down. Uh, and uh, it's the first time I heard a voice, an inner voice in me. I, I could never forget this beer. I'm watching the bubbles go up. I'm looking at it, and I hear this inside voice go, go home and make this right. And I had no clue what that meant because I was wanted a strangler. Um, and infidelity is a hard thing to work through. So uh, we sought, uh, sought counseling and started reading the Bible. Uh, to find out who this Jesus was, uh, I was raised Catholic and I knew God and I knew Jesus, uh, but then this thing, Holy Spirit, I had no clue. Uh, so I started uh, reading the Bible and getting uh, going to counseling, and through that, my heart started to change, so we went on a retreat, um, which I was very reluctant because, like I said, I didn't think I was that bad. Um, while there, I experienced a supernatural, divine power of the Holy Spirit come upon me. Uh, the hurt was gone. I felt total forgiveness for Terry. And it was an amazing experience because I just felt this feeling and I was a new person. Uh, I knew myself well enough to know that it wasn't, uh, <clears throat> it wasn't a matter of time heals or we went to a self help program. Uh, this was a miraculous healing because I know how I act. Jesus said, the truth will set you free. And I started my long life quest to, to, to learn the character of the Holy Spirit through the Bible. The Lord has transformed my life because when the Son sets you free, he sets you free indeed. Um, Jesus also said, 
he had to leave uh, out of his mouth. If you read the book of John, Jesus is telling us, uh, and I just get excited about that, but he says, I have to leave so the counselor, the comforter that will live inside you, and I had to find out what does that mean. So the more I got into the word of God, the more it was revealed to me. Uh, and my thing is, I wanted to cash in on that promise. It says, if it's going to set you free, I wanted to be free because we weren't doing too well. So we just celebrated our 55th wedding anniversary. That wouldn't have happened without the miraculous healing from the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Lord has used our story to give other hurting couples hope that if he could put us back together, he's, he, can, you know, he can heal anybody. And my friend, whose husband I had the affair with, she committed her life to Christ all those years ago. And she forgave me. The Lord restored our friendship. We were involved with uh, prayer meetings together. We uh, did retreats together. In her words, the Holy Spirit filled her heart with love for me after what I had done to her. So anytime I'm tempted to withhold forgiveness for somebody because they hurt my little feelings, the Lord reminds me, start asking me to fill your heart with love for that person. So I just want to go a little side. <laughs> when this, she was my cousin and she called and I went, no. She goes, I want to talk to Terry. I said, no, because it was divided the whole family. Yeah. And uh, in the years to come, we forgave her. Everybody forgave her, but she didn't forgive herself. Yeah. And she called her one day and says, everybody has forgiven you. You haven't forgiven yeah. yourself. She, she had to lift that burden because <clears throat> I, I, he and I had worked through it. I just felt like poor thing and her family she said we are all fine she says you're the only one who's still dragging this around she says the lord has set you free the holy spirit is very very present and very uh, personally involved with our lives if we uh, if we want to acknowledge him or not we miss out when we don't mm -hmm. so when i go to weddings and i see couples in the audience there to witness the wedding and they're crying uh i sometimes wonder are they crying for the joy of the people or are they crying because they've been married five or seven, 10, 15 years, and it didn't work out the way they wanted it to. So in our, one of our, our, the Lord has blessed us to be able to do this, but we also do it for couples. Uh, this is ringing or resonating to anybody. Doesn't mean you have to have an affair, but if your marriage, we call it a tune-up. We're not professional um, and we don't charge. Uh, we just do it because the Lord saved us and we want to be there. And this is also for engaged couples. If you're dating and you're engaged and you want just some t uh, mentoring, uh, we're available. Tony would give you our number. And, uh, and we're completely um, confidential. confidential. No one will ever know that you met with us unless you tell them yourself. That's just, um, it's a pleasure. It's an honor for us to be used that way from time to time by the Lord. Okay. Okay. Hi, I'm Susie O'Donnell, and uh, very glad to be here with you. Um, I was initially saved when I was five years old, 
and, uh, but didn't have um, um, a church background or anything. So I kind of went back and forth with, uh, with go, going in and out of church and everything. And, but I have a lot of experiences with the Holy Spirit, but I came from a Pentecostal background, so it's the Holy Ghost. <laughs> so, but uh, he's been very precious to me. And uh, I, I, these experiences that I have had are wonderful, but the one that always sticks out most in my mind and that God has used is a come, stems from the fact that I suffer from depression. I've just have, have had depression since I was 18 years old. Um, and I've had two bouts of suicidal depression that were pretty serious. The first one, um, I wasn't serving the Lord at the time. I'd kind of walked away, and uh, uh, I went into a, a very serious time of depression. The Holy Spirit, without me knowing it, brought a crazy friend into my life, and she wasn't saved at the time either. She is now, but she was so insane, over the top, and, and was really annoying, but she loved me, and... <laughs> Heather can testify, but uh, she loved me, and she brought me to a point of where I could, I could, I was, uh, I could accept love, and she brought me back to Jesus, you know, without her even knowing it. She was instrumental in doing that. The second time, um, Heather was already 10 years old. We'd been serving the Lord for a long time, you know, but things were not working out well as far as my personal life. I, we had basically become homeless. Um, a lady from church took us into her, our, her home. And we shared expenses with her. Um, I was working a very menial job, and I could see absolutely no future. There was no future with this job. And I could not see a way out. So the enemy started tormenting my mind. I mean, tormenting. And I don't even know how long that lasted. Um, it's funny, when you go into that sort of state, it becomes like a fog. It's a fog. You're walking through fog. And nothing, you, nothing connects, nothing relates, you know. And I tried my best. I tried everything I could to get out of that because my, my dear daughter, she loved me, you know, and she was seeing that I was suffering. So, but, and so I would hardly sleep at night, you know. Uh, people who suffer from depression, especially if you're going through a suicidal episode, they know what that's like. And when the dawn comes, it's, it's obscene, really. So, uh, but the enemy made a mistake. He made a huge mistake in the fact that he started telling me that, well, it's probably better for you to kill yourself, yes, you know, because the world would be better without you. However, Heather would be alone, and she would be devastated, so you need to kill her too, and then, and then kill yourself, you know. That was his mistake. Then I knew the Holy Spirit prompted me and said, okay, a step too far, and I meant for him to do that. So I went into a deep, deep time of prayer and fasting, and let me tell you, it was hard. It's not easy, you know. And just that it's ripping flesh is basically what it is, you know. But it would had to be done. And I would just, you know, I'd be so worn out from, from the uh, praying and everything that one night I actually just went to sleep and just like was dead almost, like just sleeping. But the Lord gave me a beautiful, beautiful vision, okay, a beautiful dream. In this dream, it sounds horrible at first. In this dream, I was in a kitchen chair, and I was tied up very tightly in this kitchen chair, and I was in the middle of a darkened room. And there were shafts of light, but it was mostly dark. And there were three demons that were circling around me, taunting me, just taunting me and mocking me and just laughing at me and just saying horrible things. And of course, I was you know, beyond terrified, beyond terrified. Next thing I knew, um, there was a, a huge, I mean, just the most brilliant white light coming from behind me. And I knew it was Jesus instantly. 
But Jesus said very firmly, he was, he was, uh, he was peeved. <laughs> he was peeved. <laughs> but he was very angry, and he, he said, don't turn around, just like that, very sternly to me. And I didn't. He came, he barely came into the room, and the demons just psh, were gone, just were gone. And I woke up at that second, and I'm not lying to you. This is the God's honest truth. He knows how, I, how, I, how it is. I was able to see color for the first time in months. I didn't even realize I had lost my ability to see color. And I can't, and I, I breathed in, and I was like, such joy, such joy and liberation. And, and I have to say, because I'm, I'm kind of a, kind of a, I'm not too um, overwhelmed as far, overwhelming as far as like being giddy, you know, but that, yeah, for a while I was, I was kind of obnoxious, you know, <laughs> but that's okay. God knew my heart and it felt so good to be free, you know, and I, I still go through rough times. I still go through rough times, but um, as a matter of fact, that evening I, I, I knelt down to, to praise God and just thank him for his wonderful gift and for setting me free and, he, and the Holy Spirit told me specifically, I'm glad that you're healed of this, but I'm not going to take your depression away from you. He said, I'm going to use that to minister to other people. And don't you know he has over those years? That's been, what, 30, more than 30 years ago. And he's used that to help, help people, you know, and help me to relate to them and, and tell them, listen, you know, you, even in your darkest valleys, when, when you know the Lord, even through your darkest valleys, that's when he can use you the most. And we trust him, you know, we, and, and I, I know that the Holy Spirit just guides us until Jesus calls us home. And we just trust him. Good morning, everyone. Um, my name is Count Harris. It's really good to see you and to have a chance to share um, some of what God's been doing in my life. Um, my wife and I have been coming here for about a year. And um, thinking back 11 years, um, I arrived at my first uh, job, my first duty station, and, um, and immediately uh, reached out for help. Um, I recognized um, I needed some encouragement. I needed people to run the race with um, during uh, difficult times and uh, during my work. Um, and God's word says, I will uh, instruct you and lead you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. And so I recognized, hey, God's going to do that. He said he's going to do it. Um, so uh, God really used um, a couple in my life uh, to encourage me and to help me um, and also to uh, help me break free from relationships that um, were really uh, outside of God's will. So fast forward, it was 2018, and I didn't know uh, what was next in life, where to go, where to move. I was deployed to uh, Central America and had several weeks left in the deployment. I was about to become a dad. Uh, I received a call, and my leadership asked if I was willing to take a position in Germany, hardship tour. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I replied that I'd pray about it and ask my wife. Um, I had a feeling I'd love to go overseas, so um, I s suspected it would be good. Unbeknownst to me, Kimber, my wife, had just met a couple three weeks earlier that was relocating to Germany. She was encouraged by Beata, um, the wife, and her husband, Dennis, from the Navigators. 
she brushed aside the thought that we could relocate there. We talked about it and recognized, oh, there aren't really jobs there for us. And so after I received the call, we began to pray about the decision. And she remembered meeting this couple and what an encouragement it was um, to learn from Beata. After inquiry, we found out that the couple was moving to the same exact town uh, where orders would take me. And they were praying for intentional disciple makers, people willing to invest their lives in the soldiers, in the Germans, in the people in, in that community uh, in Germany. And so we said yes. <laughs> um, God made it abundantly clear. Um, the Holy Spirit made it clear that we should join uh, this couple. And so in, uh, during two years there, when many marriages fall apart, um, Neighbors on both sides left early uh, because of marriage problems. Um, through many hardships, I lost my best friend. Um, Kimber lost her dad. Um, and COVID-19 lockdowns, you can imagine what that would be like. Uh, I can't imagine what it would be like in California, but Germany was um, very strict. Uh, but during those times, we built some of the strongest relationships um, among the team and with the soldiers. And um, so we still pray daily uh, for God's work there, and we're amazed at uh, what God can do. Um, and so fast forward to today, um, just over a year ago, I, um, I was, again, at a decision point. Where are we going next, Lord? Uh, what's the plan? And um, a good friend of mine, um, had encouraged me, hey, pray about coming to Monterey and studying here. And um, so we were praying about it. And um, I didn't even know what was happening with my career, but um, I found out in February last year, hey, you're going to Monterey. And, um, and so five years ago, maybe even six, that same couple that encouraged and helped me um, uh, 10, uh, 11 years ago, had moved to Monterey and is still encouraging and helping soldiers, airmen, and sailors figure out, how do I trust God in uncertain times? How do I trust Jesus? And the Holy Spirit is continuing to use them. So thank you, uh, Joel and Donna, uh, for your encouragement. And uh, praise God's spirit for his work. Um, he's the one that counsels us, um, leads us in the way we should go, and, um, and guides us. So I want to invite the worship team up. Um, yeah, you want your water? Feel free. Yeah. I thought that was a donation. That's okay. I just want you to pay attention to maybe which story impacted you the most. Right? These stories are all diverse. These are all stories that were sent in to me. People thought, you know what, this story might help someone. And I think that each of these stories talk about different things. Different people in different seasons of life. And I just wonder, which do you most relate to and why? As we enter into worship, right, again, back to the chair analogy. The Holy Spirit is not meant to be theological decor. The Holy Spirit adopts us, works with us in relationship as a family. 
He produces fruit in us, fruit of character. He gives us gifts to bless people in the world. And he speaks to us. And as we enter into worship, I just invite you. Maybe you have this long history of talking to the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're like, I have no idea what this is like. But I guess I want to invite you into this potentially awkward, potentially revolutionary space where the Holy Spirit is a person and not just a force who actually wants to relate with you this morning. Let's just invite you to adopt a posture of prayer. Holy Spirit, we say you are welcome here. We want to acknowledge that you have worked in people's lives throughout history. You will work in people's lives forevermore. And we invite you in this moment to work in our lives. Whether we've ever heard your voice before, like Steve, or whether we're here this morning and we're like, I don't even know what I think about the church. invite you to speak to us like you did to PJ. Maybe you're feeling lonely this morning and you're wondering whether God is with you and leading you and you relate to Count's narrative. Or maybe you're in this relational stuck place in your marriage or in your family or in your dorm or with your roommates. And Terry and Andy's story is like, oh man, could God do that to me? Maybe you come in this morning overwhelmed with sadness or grief or worry or depression. And you're like, I wonder if the Holy Spirit could bring me joy. God, we invite you into this place. Move among us, speak to us. We are humble little creatures in need of your love. feel up to, I'd invite you to stand and sing this song about the love of God.